From Grain to Glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Miles. And this is the best beer show on the internet. According to our mothers. Uh, Joining us today is Eric Wood. Hola. Ah, there he is. There he is. more regular. What? It's getting to be more regular having me on the show. It is. It definitely is. Uh, and it's it's nice. Always nice to have another another voice in here. <laughs> to to yeah, mediate the disparity yes. between Casey and myself. So, uh, what beer-related things have you been doing lately, Miles? Uh, well, I was part of this group that brewed a nice big fat stout yesterday, and it yeah. was absolutely fantastic. Debatably, debatably, we'll Debate. talk. We'll talk about that in a, in a minute. Yeah. Uh, no. Otherwise, I did the homebrewing. I had the homebrewing club yesterday as well. Oh, how'd that go? I, it went really well. Uh, Todd, our fourth, was not there. He typically needs to be reminded a few days ahead of time. I neglected to do so. Uh, but we had Chad and Kim show up, and we finally got together and decided on a time and date that we're going to brew a beer. Awesome. Very cool. The what is we don't know, and she has plenty of hops, so we're going to use those, and Very we're probably cool. going to do some some of that uh, hop tea experimenting. Ew. Just gross. <laughs> <laughs> just gross. I thought that was your favorite activity. No. No, it, w- it was not. It, was... About as, it sounds about as fun as malting grain. <laughs> <laughs> Which I neglected Idiot to look idea. at. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that sounds this sounds like fun though. The the collaboration brew. Yeah, but between the three of us, we're gonna go head down to Kim. She's she's the one with the hop farm. She's growing like nine different types of hops. It's awesome. That's ridiculous. If you ever need hops, uh, what size? Uh, what what size batch are you guys gonna do? Uh, probably just five. Uh, we're probably just gonna go with uh, an extract batch because that's the way those uh, Chad and Kim both brew. Oh, they're both extract brews. They're yeah. Um, Kim has done and knows how to do all grain. It's usually just a time issue. So they're just like, extract beers, we can still make them good. All right, cool. Very it, cool. Yeah, so it works out. Yeah. Um, What about you, Eric? Anything exciting beer-wise besides the brew day? Um, well, I started taking inventory of how many gallons of sour beer I have in my basement, and it's really close to 20. Ooh, um, so blending party? Things need to be, yes, blended, fruited, and bottled. Ooh. That so that's, like uh, I'm kind of doing some uh, behind-the-scenes research on all that since I don't really, it's not my strong suit, blending. Okay. But never done it, so how can I know? Yeah, for sure. Well, experiments, they're all over the place, and they're fun. Yeah. I guess that's it. Pretty much it. Otherwise, uh, just uh, kind of envisioning some future recipes for our barrel, but we can talk about that later. Yeah, the barrel. Uh, beer-wise, I haven't. I'm trying to think what uh, what interesting things I've done. Um, I went and you dumped the batch. I, I oh, that's right. I I did do some stuff this week. Uh, I fruited a uh, two beers. Um, one, when I fruited it, I kind of figured was infected already, but I figured I'd throw the fruit in there just in case because I, I had already had the fruit prepared and it was only a couple of peaches. So I was only at a couple of bucks. Um, but yeah, no, that, that one was, 
was bad, just so bad, and smelled like ass. It, <laughs> it tasted even worse. So that one, I uh, got to go water some plants. Uh, but the other one I did, uh, I did a watermelon wheat, which is quite delightful. I it think. is. It is. Um, I took a two watermelons, and uh, last time I did it, I took a potato masher and a cheesecloth, and I gra- and I juiced them that way. Yep. Uh, this time I went over to uh, my mom's like big ninja blender thing, <laughs> and I just I just cubed up watermelon and just kept chucking it in and blending it. And pureed the and, sucker. Yeah, and pureed the watermelon. And then I brought it home uh, in, like, glass growlers. Of course. And I uh, boiled the crap out of it. Uh, well, low, slow boil to reduce it down yeah. into about three quarters of a gallon of syrup. Was it just really thick? It was. It was It was pretty awesome. Is it something that you would, like, pour over your pancakes in the morning? You could. I don't know if you'd want to. <laughs> That's a lot of work. Um, and, oh, fun fact, boiling watermelon makes your house smell terrible. <laughs> it smells atrocious. <laughs> I have no idea know. why. <laughs> but it does not smell great. But it tastes amazing. Did you taste the syrup then? Yeah. Yeah, oh. you had to. Well, of course. I I'm Don't jealous, put anything actually. in your beer if you haven't tasted it. I suppose. So usually a good rule of thumb. Uh, it's but just yeah, kind of like cooking. What? Go ahead. It's kind of like cooking. Taste it as you go. Yes. Don't just add blindly. Yeah. Um. And we'll do like an official tasting of the watermelon wheat uh, on the next episode, I think. Yeah, but in general, we did get to try it yesterday, and it was really good. Yeah, it was quite refreshing. It was well, and it was a hot as hell day yesterday too. So it started out bad, but it got better. It was still like eighty-five degrees, and I'm just talking about the torrential oh, yeah. downpour. The torrential downpour was odd. <laughs> <laughs> just came out of nowhere, kinda. So yeah, should we talk about this brew day then? Yeah, I think we will dive into the brew day. Um, Eric, why don't you give your first? Uh, why don't you give us a recap of the brew day because it. Um, you were you were one of the main masterminds, but I think well, you you came up with the majority of the recipe and all that stuff. So why don't we start with the recipe? Okay, well, let me actually quick pull. Oh it up. my god, the man is not we were prepared talking about that. Um, I know it was a ten gallon uh, or eleven gallon imperial stout that um, we opted to do some adjunct treating. Um, so first and foremost, we bought, or Casey fronted the cost of a, um, Texas whiskey barrel. That is, and, it, um, is it, it's gorgeous. I don't know if I've seen, there it is. It's right there. Ah, there it is. <laughs> it just stares so, at yeah, you all the time. Is, this recipe is, uh, 37 pounds of pale two row, which is obscene, yes, but 10 gallons. Uh, two pounds of caramel Munich 60, a pound and a half of chocolate, pound and a quarter of roasted barley, um, I should probably be giving percentages, but whatever. Um, some flaked oats, extra dark crystal, uh, midnight wheat, which is a malt I really like for body and color, dehusk carafa three, debittered black, and some chocolate rye for a good measure. Um, some Apollo for bittering and Northern Brewer for some flavoring, and we're fermenting it with uh, American Ale on crack. Yeah. So, that, that pretty much sums yeah, it up. Um, the brew day went good, like, 
abnormally good until like the last 10 minutes. Yeah, and we ran into a really weird issue. Miles, why don't you kind of talk about that? I started looking into it. Okay, so we were using a refractometer to get our gravity readings. And refractometers are awesome because they take about 30 seconds and two drops of wort. Uh, so we did our our mash, which, by the way, was a gloriously massive mash. 44 pounds with over 11 gallons of water and a 23-gallon mash ton that was just full. Anyways, yeah. uh, we, we mashed for 60, 70 minutes, about. Mm-hmm. And we took our original gravity reading while we were taking first runnings, and we were at about 11.10, 11.09. Yeah, it was, yeah, 11.05, 11.09, something like that. It, it was really, really... We were like six, six to ten points over. Yeah, so, but for first runnings, that was to be expected. And then we were draining, 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 second runnings going through. We take another measure, another measurement, and our final runnings were down to about 1070. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. Which is still decently high, but you kind of expect... We, we did a recirculation, so the gravity was pretty spread throughout. And it's still decently high, I guess. Yeah. But when you think about it, you know, it would have averaged out somewhere in the middle, and that's what we got. We started around after we collected all of our runnings, and we got about 1080. Uh, yeah, it was, it was 1080. No, it was 10. I want to say we started boil uh, around, like, 1075. Okay, 1075. And so we would expect, you know, after the boil that it would go up, and our goal was about 1099. Mm-hmm. That's what we were shooting for. And it's like, okay, that, that works. Our numbers make sense. I run with it. And so we boil. We get, is it about 55 minutes into the boil? We, uh, we no, it was, no we, it was about an hour. It was, okay. Yep. It was about an hour. We take one more gravity reading, and we're at 1.108. Yeah. 1.108, and we're like... Which is exactly what Brewtoad was calling for. Yeah, and we're like, oh my gosh, holy God, we need to stop this because we don't want to overshoot our numbers By like too Mad much. Men. Yeah. yeah. So we terminate the boil, we start chilling, and we're getting ready to transfer. We take w- another reading and 1075. Like yeah, 1080, 1075, and we're we're baffled. I'm going to take uh, some hydrometer readings today before I actually put anything in yeah. just to see if there's something really wonky with uh with the, with the tool. Yeah, with the tool. Just well, Jeez. see the the thing doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't because all of the numbers made sense until that point. Yeah, they all made sense with each other. It all made sense with even, the processes. I don't even think um, another thirty minutes on the boil or even another sixty would have got us to where we effectively really need to be. Yeah, I don't know what happened. I'm still perplexed. Yeah, which is why confused. I'm going to take that other gravity reading just to really see where we are. Yeah, it, it is smart. I've been doing a little bit of uh research on refractometers more and there's um error compensations that usually need to be taken into account uh for really really dark beers. There's, you know, it, cho- it throws it off by a couple of points, like 2. Yeah, but it shouldn't be 30. No, I know, and that's and that's the point. Like, even when you're talking about uh, having to compensate for a fermented wort because there's the alcohol throwing off the refraction, you're not off by 30 points. 30 points is a little ridiculous. I, I think 
if I recall correctly, Miles, the first time we made this beer in 2012, we thought we were in the same exact scenario, and we ended up having to boil down DME and add it. And well, that's we, what we're going to have to do this time. But well, I don't okay. know what the solution is going forward. No, okay. So uh, the first time we brewed the beer, we knew we were we were going to get horrible efficiency, and we actually had DME on hand because we expected to get mm-hmm. lower numbers. And doing a beer that big, we didn't know how low or what to expect. And then we got, you know, and then we ended up with their numbers, and then we found out yeah. how much we had to add. Uh, but at this point, we, you know, we knew what we were doing. We should, we knew well, significantly more we, what we were. To we were checking our efficiency throughout the process. Yeah, and it looks like we were hitting our numbers right where we wanted like, to I, be. I, like I, I made it sound like we checked the gravity only four times. No, we checked. It we like were checking four, it constantly. Yeah, we were checking it like four times every time I said it because we were really worried about this beer. We, yeah, we were that, and it's just. Fun it's a wedding at huge beer. gravity. Yeah, well, like it's that. it's a wedding beer. It's an expensive beer. Yes. Um, and so we just we wanted to nail everything, and just the way things turned out was really weird. Yeah. Again, it's just, I think it'll be salvageable uh, though. Let's let. Oh no, no, it's it like it. We did not ruin anything. It tastes amazing. Yeah. The word that we have, yeah, and we're gonna throw some uh, some DME in it. Boil down some DME, bump bump the bump the gravity up, and so it it will turn out fine. It's just we hit some weird snags. Yeah, the numbers really don't make sense, and we we tried to do a recalibration on the refractometer. It was off by less than two points. I mean, there was there's nothing that makes sense. It's like you could yep. say there's sediment in the beer. Uh, it's hot. It's you know whatever. Thirty points doesn't just up and disappear. No. Yeah. So yeah, we got we got to figure out what what happened there. Um but that's but that's I mean that's in the past now. Yeah. Uh we got to move on and uh as soon as this beer is done with its primary fermentation, we are going to stick it into a barrel, which is yet again the subject for today's topic. Yeah. Uh we figured this would be a great time to dive into some more barrel information. Because we have our local expert Eric Wood on the line. <laughs> I see. Me so, uh... <laughs> oh, stop being so modest. Well, his last name oh. is Wood, and barrels are made of wood, so it makes sense. Yeah, true. You were born. You were born into this situation. <laughs> we're just taking advantage of it. Uh, so, Eric, the last time we had you on sure. talking about barrels, uh, we primarily addressed the question of can I, as a home brewer, uh, barrel age? And the answer was yes, you can get your barrel. And we also looked at uh, a lot of alternatives that are available for those who don't necessarily want to or have the capacity to get a barrel, that there's plenty of ways to get the barrel age character. Uh, So I guess, first of all, this is a me thing again. I want to look at the the anatomy of the barrel. Uh, just you know, just a little quick intro. You get a barrel fresh on your doorstep. What are you looking at? What went into it? I'm looking at way too many fucking packing peanuts. Right? <laughs> yes. Did, did it come into pack with packing peanuts? Yes. And then <laughs> yeah. the bag that like I put the packing peanuts in split in the garbage can. And so when the when the garbage <laughs> man went, there's packing peanuts everywhere. <laughs> he was not happy. Did you have to pick him up or did he? Oh, he that's picked what him happens up. Okay. When you work at the 
trash oh, business. Man. So, all right, let's it take works. a quick look at a barrel and at the barrel anatomy. Uh, so, Eric, what would you call, or what is the what is the name of the person who actually makes a barrel? Uh, well, barrels are produced in cooperages or cooperage, if you will. So, I would guess it's probably going to be a cooper. That is, in fact, what the also guy is called. Yeah. Well, general concept, yes. Uh, the walls of the barrel are made with, do you know what the term is? Staves. Staves, yes. Uh, they go with staves. Staves, yeah. That's what I said. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, okay, so uh, staves are planks of wood that get steam-treated, bent into shape, and then are used for the walls of the barrel. Whereas the tops and bottoms, instead of being bent into shape, they just get put together and cut into shape. Eric, what do you know what uh, the top and bottom of the barrel are called? Um, I didn't pre, uh, but I, I, I did a little bit of research on barrel anatomy really quickly, and I did find that it's they're called heads. Yes, they are. They are called heads. And. Casey, I guess since I'm bouncing back and forth, those metal loops that uh, hold the whole thing together, what would you call those bad boys? I would call them metal ring loop things. Uh, hoops. Hoops. Hoop, hoop, hoops. Hoops is what we're looking for. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> then the wonderful interface device note that looks like a cork that goes into the hole on the side is, of course, the bung. 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 Oh, it goes in the hole, so it's called a bung hole. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so I just wanted to get that out of the way because it's a very, th- it's the t- sort of thing that I'm interested in. Uh, okay. So we ordered our barrel. It arrives fresh on the step. We've gotten rid of the packing peanuts at this point. I'm excited to use this son of a gun. So I'm going to pick it up, run into my backyard because I'm currently brewing, and I'm going to put my word into it. Yes. Is is that all oh, right? Yeah. What? Terrible Why? idea. But I really want to put my. But it's fresh from the, the distillery. Why? Why would I not? Matter. What? What? There are, there are things you need to do. First and foremost, you need to figure out if there's any cracks in it. You need to like. It's like getting a brand new. Um, I don't know anything you order off Amazon. You're gonna inspect it first for damage or anything. So with a barrel, I mean, you're gonna be looking for leaks. You're gonna be looking for swelled out areas that could lead to possible leaking and explosion. <laughs> um, so just yeah, in general, I mean, I'm, I'm looking to see if there's any damage to it. I want to make sure it survived the trip to my place. Right, right. Okay. So I found that there's, that there's no cracks or leaks. Now do I put my beer in it? No. This area is actually up for debate. Um, a lot of people recommend filling the barrel with hot water first to ensure there are no leaks. But also, when you fill it with hot water, you're washing away any... This is coming fresh from a distillery, and yes, they've emptied it, but there's going to be a lot of um, flaked wood in there, if you will, or chipped wood. There's going to be you know, residue from the whiskey itself. You might want to just at least kind of... Give it kind a of wash. Sterilize. Yeah. The, um, the heat treatment does kill off a lot of the excess bacteria. Okay. Yeah, it's a good idea. And they usually recommend about 30 minutes to an hour with that hot water in there and then drain it. Fair enough. But there's a step that I, I would agree with once you're done with that is adding your favorite whiskey. 
to keep the barrel wet if you're not immediately going to fill it. Then how long, so if I'm going to do that, how long can I wait before I want to start putting beer into it? Well, as long as you keep rotating the barrel every 24 to 48 hours, and when I mean rotate is it comes with a fancy little stand. (laughs) You basically pick up the barrel and roll it in your hands so it continues coating the um, inner surface. I mean, you don't need to dump an entire bottle of whiskey in there, but maybe a cup, two cups. Okay. Um, but that that's if you're not ready to put barrel uh, beer in it right away. If you've done all your preparation steps and it's, you know, leak-proof, clean it up a little bit on the outside, and I'd say go for it. Now, I we, we've talked about barrel aging in the previous episode, and I was kind of hinting at it with my little analogy uh so we i'm brewing in the backyard i got my barrel i've checked it for damage i have given it the hot water treatment to make sure it's clean and checked for leaks uh can i now can i put my wort in there and i don't necessarily recommend it (laughs) and and ferment in there i don't think it's really i mean you can and a lot of breweries and brewers do but um Unless you have a, a pretty extensive blow-off setup, um, you're you're really asking for trouble in your basement or wherever you're storing this. Why why do you say that, if I may ask? For whatever reason, the um, there probably are some leftover sugars in the barrels, um, combined with generally speaking a massive beer that's going into a barrel. You're not putting a four percent goza in there. You're putting an imperial stout or a barley wine, which already have um rather excessive uh explosive fermentations generally speaking because their their gravities are so high yeah so you put that in a um a barrel where it's dark optimal temperature there's probably some residual sugars in there from whiskey uh yeah i don't know i I, we've done it i think we did it with our scotch ale and it was a mess (laughs) so just excessive crossing everywhere right Every, right, it's just it, easier to ferment in primary and then go, you know, go that route. Okay, so if it, let's just say I decided I was going to ferment, uh, after the Krausen step, is there any other considerations that I should do for the duration of the fermentation process? In barrel or no, in in the barrel for in the barrel, and this is like after the well, primary fermentation. Yep. So if you're fermenting in barrel, let's just play it like that. Uh, you're going to, you're going to have some Krausen. You're going to lose some beer. You're going to lose some to angel share, which is the soaking into the wood of your beer. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to keep that. Uh, there's a little bit of space that will form between the bunghole and your beer. And preferably the, the best way to do it is just top it off with, um, more wort. And then, um, so yeah, just, otherwise just, flush with CO2. So just kill that extra space, make sure there's no oxygen in there, I'm guessing? Right. The, the, the more amount of space, the more amount of risk you're allowing for, uh, um, what is it, oxidation. Oxidation. Okay, fair enough. Now, is there a certain temperature range that I should try and consider for this new piece of hardware that I, that I have acquired? Um, well, you know, 
yes, there is. A lot of people say there isn't. But it's kind of like um, you don't want it to be too warm. You don't want to keep your barrel warm or in direct sunlight. Okay. Then so you're just, just like any for other fermentation cool. chamber or fermentation. Pretty much. Also. Keep it in a cool, dark area. Um, I mean, lights aren't going to hurt it, obviously. Yeah. But uh, if you, if you um, introduce it to excessive heat, you know, anything over, I would even say room temperature, um, you could be asking for um, like things like Acetobacter and Pediococcus to potentially generate, especially if you're opening that bung. Mm-hmm. So. Now, that's something uh, that I learned is not the case. As a practice in the past, we pulled samples out of our barrel using a wine thief through the bottom. Very hole. foolishly. Very foolishly. Very foolishly. So we're not supposed to do that. Why not? No, because you're introducing oxygen. Every yes. time that whole, that bung comes off, you're introducing oxygen. And, Miles, I have a... Uh, <laughs> I actually know that's where our scotch ale went wrong yeah. and, um, and where our barley wine was oxidized early. Yes. So really you need to, um, pre-filling the barrel, you need to drill a small hole into the head of the barrel, preferably the, it doesn't really matter which side, and then they recommend using a beeswax to kind of seal it off, if I recall you, correctly. Uh, you can use beeswax or... I, I had a reference to a very, very, very specific make of nail that can also just be used to plug it. Yeah, so it's that, like an, is it? Uh, stainless steel nail. It, they have a name for it. I don't remember what it is. Hmm. I don't. They're off the top of my head. Okay, uh, but yeah, the, you basically just you have the hole and then you plug it with the nail and then you can unplug it, let the beer come out, and then you plug it back up. But I was going to toss out there, I think one of the big reasons why you don't want that extra headspace, particularly in a barrel, is because it's still wood in there that can yeah. be a be breeding ground for bacteria, even if it's closed. Makes so, sense. Yeah, that makes sense to me. So, uh, What about transferring from a barrel, Eric? Have you ever have you ever done that or considered doing that? <laughs> yeah, we have. Um we, we you had generally need to buy a smaller siphon. Yeah, we did <laughs> um, actually. We got a yeah, we got a short yeah. little one. It just barely fit, and it was it was actually kind of fantastic. <laughs> it worked. It's under ten bucks. Um, it, you know, if you have a uh, Casey was mentioning a racking cane, mm -hmm. um, you could always use that to get beer out if you really wanted to. But um. Yeah, otherwise, don't just pick up your barrel and dump it over a bucket or something. <laughs> no, uh, it's, it's like any it's other over, thing. Once it's fermented, you don't want any oxygen in that in that beer. Uh, right. Exactly. So the less agitation you have, the better. Casey, I right. found uh, a method for transferring from barrel into keg that you would like. Oh, really? Yes. So it just takes um, two... Or a bear or a bunghole with uh, two holes drilled into it, one for an inlet and one for an outlet with like a racking cane, and then you just use like two or three psi from your keg. Oh, to completely pressurize closed the system. keg, and then put it pressurized from a keg to put it into it. And then keg. use a beer gun to fill from there. That's yeah. actually genius. We may we may end up doing that, guys. That That's like smart. If, Smart idea. If uh, well, we'll see what it's what things are looking like, but yeah, I came across that and it just sounded absolutely 
Brilliant. Because then we can add the, uh, if we're doing syrup post-barrel, we can add that into the keg, and it'll mm-hmm. get mixed in there. Yep. Uh, Eric, that's that's I guess that's more or less what I had as far as uh, kegging these days. Did you have anything you were looking to add? I think it's really important to, um, I mean, we really touched it. You could almost do a third barreling episode. But um, well, we I probably think uh, will. Touch on is amount of time to leave your beer in a barrel. Okay. I think the big, yeah. well, there's really only one answer to that, and that depends. Let your taste buds decide. Yeah. Um, I that's, mean, start. Uh, that's the rule of thumb. Start with, uh, especially if it's your first barrel, start with a couple of weeks. Start with two, three weeks. Depending on the size of your barrel as well. I yes. Mean, if you have a 10-gallon barrel, it can go a little longer. If you have a 55-gallon barrel, it can definitely go a little bit longer. But you need to kind of treat the barrel as an ingredient. Mm-hmm. Um, it it imparts a lot of flavor, and you can overdo it. So, you know, leaving a beer in a five-gallon barrel for six months, you're going to over-oak the hell out of that thing, and it's not going to be good. Yeah. So the first, I, I guess I was doing a little bit of reading up from um, professional brewers, and they say, a lot of them say the first two months is where all that beer extracts its flavor from the barrel. And... You know, if you wait longer, you're risking oxidation. I mean, there are breweries out there, man. Central Waters, uh, the brewery, all these different uh, barrel aging breweries that Firestone Walker that leave beers in barrels for a year or two years and still produce great results. Mm-hmm. So I think it's all kind of how you're how you want your beer to turn out. Fair so, enough. Yeah. Fair enough. So uh, between last episode, we definitely talked about. Uh, can we brew in a barrel and or what sort of beers go into them and alternatives to barrel aging. And this is definitely like, well, we bought a barrel now, now what? Yeah. And, and so this brought yeah. us, well, and I think the next uh, one will happen after we uh, pull a beer out of this barrel and we will talk about probably uh, reusing a barrel and all that fun stuff. Yes, so. absolutely. Uh, so I guess a, a few final notes. When it comes to storing a barrel, uh, you don't want to store it dry unless you absolutely have to. Then you actually like want to ne- like let it dry out, and then you want to go through like a, a 24-hour rehydration period where yep. you just put it in hot water. And Yeah, like right now, Miles, our old barrel is just sitting with water. It's pretty much... Uh probably never going to be able to be used again because really if you're going to barrel age you need to keep beer constantly in it yeah you you want to have a, a perfect rotation yep and then default to sours and <laughs> always uh be like on the edge you you could have a bad beer not everything that goes in a barrel comes out a barrel good yep uh and i mean once that barrel sours it's soured for good yeah. Yes. But then you have a barrel for sours. So <laughs> for infinite sours. Yes. For forever yeah. sours. Pretty much. Um, sours infinitum. Yeah. So okay, that's done. not that's not necessarily a bad thing, especially no. if you like sours. No, that's no, that's just not. typically and how so yeah, I figure like once this barrel sours, it's time to get another barrel and then you just keep building up your own sour program, right? That's yes, that how that works. Absolutely. Exactly. and goozes. Uh, I'll take some time to look at our old barrel and see if it's salvageable. And if it is, we'll sour it. Maybe we'll have two. It's already soured. Yeah. 
All right, Eric, thank you for entertaining us on yet another episode. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, yeah, we'll definitely see you in another one. Sounds good. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. All right, uh, so, yeah, that is our second barrel episode. Um, if you have any questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at blindnewsstudios.com, or you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindnewsstudios, you can follow us on Twitter at blind underscore ninja. Uh, if you'd like to support us or send us beer to taste, um, well, I guess if you want to send us beer to taste, uh, shoot us a message either on Facebook or on uh, or shoot us an email. And we will uh, give you our address, and you can uh, ship the beer to us. Uh, or if you'd like to support us, head on over to patreon.com slash studios and become a patron today. Or if you can do any Amazon shopping, uh, go ahead, click on the Amazon link at the bottom of our homepage, do your regular Amazon shopping, and then we get a bit of a kickback from Amazon. It uh, helps us keep the lights on here, so it's, it's just a lot of help. It's, it's a lot of help for us and not a whole lot of work for you. All right, guys. Well, that about wraps it up for us. So I think real, I real oh. quick, if anybody else has experienced such dramatic issues with refractometers or have any suggestions for us on what might hap- have happened to us, let us know. I'd be interested in, in what you have to say. Ah, me too. All right, guys. Uh, well, that wraps it up. So I'll see you guys next week. Bye.